This program is brought to you by the Practicing Law Institute, a nonprofit learning organization dedicated to keeping attorneys and professionals at the forefront of knowledge and expertise. Every day, people are overwhelmed by legal problems simply because they don't know how the legal system works. And because that system was not designed with their needs in mind. But what if people and communities had the power to understand and change the legal system before they get overwhelmed? And what if lawyers could use their expertise to help? Is this possible? And how would you even begin? Welcome to Pursuing Justice, The Pro Bono Files, a podcast from PLI, the Practicing Law Institute, in which lawyers and clients talk candidly about their pro bono experiences. I'm your host, Alicia Aiken, and for 15 years, I was a legal services attorney in Chicago. Now, I'm a principal at Danu Center for Strategic Advocacy, a national organization supporting advocates and mission-based organizations in their own pursuit of social justice. I'm also a faculty fellow at PLI, where I get to work on special projects like this podcast. In the world of pro bono service, it's not uncommon to hear stories about people being ground down by the machinery of the legal system. And the usual response focuses on giving more people access to a lawyer, a lawyer who will go to court with them, and more often than we'd like, help them understand why they are losing their case. But now and then, you find people who want to change the machinery itself, want to improve the functioning of the whole system. I met someone who is working to change the way regular people interact with the legal system. In this case, by developing pro bono attorneys who educate and partner with communities to advocate for improved responses from the system. Ariadna Godrol albert is the co-founder and executive director of Ayuda Legal Puerto Rico, a nonprofit that provides free legal education and free legal support to communities around the island. She is also the coordinator for the Access to Justice Working Group, which is the coalition of free legal services providers in Puerto Rico. I had an opportunity to speak with Ariadna about her effort. Tell me a little bit more about Ayuda Legal. What kind of work do you do for people? We are committed to the idea that uh, when people know their rights and when people understand legal processes and are able to identify that they have legal situations, they are in a better position to uh, claim their rights, but also to defend their rights. Uh, We do not provide free legal uh, representation. We are not a direct service organization. We are more geared towards the prevention of, of litigation and also in the in in the advocacy arena. So right now, Ayuda Legal is, is being defined as an access to justice and right to housing advocacy organization. Uh, when Hurricane Maria uh, struck Puerto Rico in less than 24 hours, we, with the collaboration of different stakeholders in the U.S., specifically uh, Latino justice, we developed what became in the island the first disaster legal aid initiative. Ayuda Legal believes in collaborations, we believe in developing capacity, we believe in a strong pro bono culture, and we have been uh, uh, going community by community throughout the island speaking about rights. 
And sometimes that takes the form of bringing pro bono attorneys to a specific community that has unmet legal needs. But other times it takes the forms of organizing stakeholders at community levels to discuss uh, the, the need to change the law or the relationship of people with the law. So we have been uh, working for the past two years in a very intense campaign around the idea of moving from access to justice to uh, social justice and uh, pushing uh, advocacy campaigns while we strengthen uh, collaborations with different stakeholders. I would love to hear you talk about what you just said about moving from access to justice to social justice. What does that mean for you? The work that we do with pro bono attorneys and the work that we do with pro bono students is try to uh, foster a culture in which lawyers are not perceived as a, a, an accessory that you get when you need to go to the court for a specific process. But how can lawyers become also part uh, of systemic change? And that, of course, like requires uh, a different training and that re requires like a different uh, mental framework and that requires resources. So how do you do that? How do you go about engaging pro bono lawyers in systemic change and social justice? There has been like a, a huge change uh, in the way that, and I think that is slow but steady, in the way that lawyers perceive themselves. And the thing is not that lawyers are not needed, but that the ways that lawyers are being or have been traditionally prepared maybe is not that relevant for the need that communities and, and impoverished people have. In order to bring emerging lawyers to an understanding of their role in social justice, there needed to be a basic shift in the educational process. The underlying philosophy is that if you, as a lawyer, are going to receive an education in the legal system, obtain a law license, and gain access to the halls of power, then you have an obligation to spend some of your time opening up access to those halls for other people, the people who were marginalized or shut out in the past. This requires mandatory pro bono work beginning in law school. Here's how Ariadna describes it. Part of what we do is that we uh, uh, work over the basis of what is being done in law schools right now and, and has been done for the past years. And it's like mandatory clinical experience where lawyers are exposed to doing pro bono work uh, for a year uh, at some institutions. And the existence of, I would say, uh, dozens of pro bono chapters in different law schools. So the new generations of, of lawyers, the, the, the new generations of law school students are used and understand and embrace the idea that uh, lawyers need to have uh, an access to justice and, and a commitment towards uh, communities' welfare. For example, we have been uh, strong supporters through the Access to Justice Working Group, but also through Ayuda Legal of what we call the new pro bono code. One year ago, the judicial branch of Puerto Rico because of the effort of, of, of many of us, they uh, decided to approve what is now like a, a mandatory 30-hour pro bono commitment for attorneys admitted to the practice in the island. And that has given like more strength to the idea of a strong pro bono culture 
30 hours in a whole year. And at the same time, we have been able to expose that there are different ways to practice law beyond traditional law. So what we do is that we uh, focus on non-legal aspects like legal community workshops, like uh, providing or making know your rights materials, creating banners, create, creating infographics, creating like uh, self-representation forms. And we have been able to attract lawyers to that a non-traditional uh, design. And um, what, what kind of opportunities are you able to organize for attorneys? For example, in Ayuda Legal, uh, where we do not provide traditional direct legal services like re uh, legal representation, we do have hotlines, we have live chat systems where attorneys can provide live help to people around different issues. We have a hotline specifically for the cases of foreclosures. We have a general right to housing hotline. We also have like attorneys working on community brigades where they either provide the workshop to the community group or where they provide uh, legal individual counseling at the end of every activity. And we do have lawyers working like at the backstage, like preparing the materials for the, for the workshops, preparing like the coordination for the workshop, recruiting other pro bono attorneys. One of the things that we realized was that the best thing a lawyer could provide was simply to accompany people throughout a process. We learned that lawyers are not mere accessories or that lawyers are not problem solvers, but that lawyers, through our knowledge of law and our knowledge of when law fails, uh, can become like a, a, a relevant to accompany people and to strengthen people and to help them find and create spaces of power. We have found that newer generations of lawyers are, are more um, open to embrace that kind of idea. And they are developing what the, the legal practice is going to look like in Puerto Rico for the next five, 10 years. I love that idea of lawyers walking a path with people to help them amplify their own voices and create a space of power. It's a wonderful way to put it. In Ayuda Legal, we say acompañamiento. Uh, that means I never know how to say that in English because it sounds horrible, but it's like uh, accompanying people throughout a process. We never use the word services, representation, or assistance. And that's because we want to shift the way that people perceive us as, as, as lawyers. And has there been resistance in the community? Yeah. When the pro bono code was an idea, it was the best idea ever. When the pro bono code became a reality, it was a huge threat for many. Uh, so we're working on that, you know, like I think we are a moment where we need to build like coalitions and more support. For example, those who are saying, you know, like in Puerto Rico, the unemployment, the, the, the poverty level, the inequality, it's also affecting solo practitioners, specifically a solo practitioner. Uh, and they say, you know, like, uh, I have no office, I have no money, the, the, the student loans are behind me. And um, another imposition of, of what they see as an imposition, right, of, of working 30 hours, 30 unpaid hours, that may have a, a huge impact in my stability and, in, and on the stability of my family. I need it's also true that for a very long time, those sole practitioners have been the only ones carrying the banner of pro bono, where when attorneys in, in law firms have been able uh, to excuse themselves with more flexibility of, of responsibility towards access to justice requirements. Uh, so I think that the new pro bono code uh, tries in a certain way to mediate that unequal relationship among different kinds of lawyers. Uh, placing also responsibility in, in those lawyers on, in law firms to 
go to the ground and to work the 30 hours pro bono. What do you think are some of the challenges that individuals face when they're doing the pro bono work? I think that lack of, of workshops of where to do pro bono work is one of them. Uh, the second one, of course, is lack of information about specific areas of, of legal work. And uh, you can also like have another barrier, and it's the barrier of not being trained to do a more kind of flexible legal work. You know, when you go to a community and you become a community lawyer, it's not like being a, a, a more traditional lawyer. You know, like when I was in my private practice and I had to work through contracts, um, you already like kind of know the solution. And what you do is trying to do the laundry list that you need to get done and the process so that the client feels that you already know what what are the, the next steps So that because you already have a solution. Uh, when you go to a community, you expose yourself to the ideas of the communities, to, to communities telling you, you know what, the solution you are providing is not good enough, to participatory strategies, to people voting over your strategy, to people asking your strategy to be like more uh, flexible or maybe to attend other uh, legal issues that may arise during the same process of being with them, of acompañarlos uh, through our legal issue. Uh, so it, it requires like more I think that uh, preparation to work as a community lawyer, and that's like a specific preparation. There's a lot more emotional labor if you go into a community and the community is is um, struggling and people are asking things of you. It's much different from, as you said, drafting a contract where you know kind of what the A to B to C steps are. Do you have some examples of successes that you've had helping lawyers to do this work well? Yeah, we have several examples of failures, which I think are also learning processes. And we have examples of the best possible results. We were one of the first organizations in Puerto Rico to receive money to work with a title, what it's called in the U.S., a term that I don't like at all because it has like racial nuances, title clearance processes. And we designed this project to go to three specific communities in order to title, to solve the title issue, you know, and uh we thought that that was one of the biggest learnings from the disaster process is that, you know, people lack informal titles and that was a reason of being denied FEMA assistance. So we needed to help them by providing them finally a formal title um, or any other option uh, like cooperatives or community land trust. And we went to these communities and they were like, you know what? We don't have an issue with the titles. You, you lawyers have issues with our titles. We have been working fine for the past 30 years. Uh, we, don't need, we don't need to go through a, a, a court process that's going to take maybe two or three years. That's going to be incredibly costly, although even though you are a public interest law office. So we needed to, to, to go back to the funder and say, you know what, we made a huge mistake. We placed the solution before the committee's priority and we redesigned the process. We were convinced by communities that Puerto Rico does not have a, a title issue. A person can be, can be an owner uh, without having a deed our law permits that. So we turn a huge failure into an advocacy campaign. And the way that we did that was with community stakeholders who made us learn and, and unlearn what we got from the process, thinking that title was a, a huge legal controversy that needed a solution. And the communities made us think about uh, solutions to the issue without having to touch the right to housing. And we convinced FEMA that they had committed a mistake asking people title dates when nothing in 
federal or local law requires it. And uh, that's an example of a failure that became, and an, I think, a success through an advocacy campaign. It seems like a perfect example of um, what my colleagues and I often talk about is rather than trying to make people work for the system, making the system work for people. The, the lawyers came in because I'm guessing FEMA initially came in, came in saying, you know, we, we can only help in this situation if people can prove they have clear title to land. And you came in saying, we're wearing our capes and we are here to help you establish clear title. And the communities said to you, yeah, no, we have a system and it works just fine. It's not a problem for us. You need to get FEMA to give us what we need without making us change our whole system of, of how we mm -hmm. hold land. And they were right. Even according to the law, they were completely right. These are like community lawyers uh, at their best. One of the questions that we're looking at is how we can help people doing pro bono to, to really be able to have empathy for the clients that they work with, to give respect to the clients they work with, to be able to hear the client, to do that walking side by side um, that you're talking about. Do you have any thoughts on how you help lawyers do that, uh, to have empathy, to be willing to share power and share space? Not everybody is ready to go to a community, but everybody's ready to learn about how to work with communities. And that's not something that we as lawyers can teach them, but that uh, communities themselves uh, teach you. When we interview uh, lawyers, we provide that initial orientation about the work that Ayuda Legal does, and then we place them in a specific program or under a specific project. Uh, we do some kind of, uh, of course, of, of learning more about that person. What are the, the main strengths? What are the weaknesses? What does she, he, they want to learn? So we do our best to place them in, in, a, in, a, in something that would be useful. Like uh, we have lawyers that prefer to work mana more on a remote basis and maybe they're not so comfortable working directly on the ground. So they work with hotlines or they work with live chats. Uh, and I like the fact that you're able to give people a, a variety of ways to provide pro bono. So it's a good fit for who they are and, and where they're at. Um, are you, how are you thinking about that struggle that I think people experience everywhere where um, most lawyers are in cities and urban areas and there's huge need outside the city in the more rural areas? How are you thinking about getting assistance beyond the city? We have a lot of lawyers in Puerto Rico, but at the same time, we have a huge access to justice, so-called gap. So um, it's an issue of distribution, of course, of resources. I'm thinking about the state website that we administer. It's like a, a website that everyone in the Access to Justice Working Group collaborates with it. Also, like specific organizations like AARP or um, domestic violence survivors, they collaborate with this website that has legal information. Two million people per, per year access that website. That's a huge number considering that Puerto Rico only have like 3.2 million inhabitants. Yet we do realize that we need other things to reach the other part of the population that is like really unable completely to access uh, the internet. So we take the materials on the website and we go throughout the island in community brigades. Of course, Ayuda Legal is not able to get everywhere 
where legal help is needed, but the other free legal service providers also have distribution throughout the island. And I think that they do their best trying to match uh, um, doing like outreach activities a lot. So we believe in sensible collaborations, developing local capacity, but at the same time working throughout partnerships that have more to do with capacity building and mentorship. Wonderful. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you, Ariadna. Thank you so much, Alicia. I learned so much from Ariadna about how Ayuda Legal is working towards systemic change in Puerto Rico. In the traditional approach to pro bono, regular people need a lawyer because they need to comply with rules set by the government. Rules which are only really understood by lawyers. To flip that script, Ariadna and Ayuda Legal are supporting pro bono lawyers to listen to citizens so that the lawyers can go back to government and advocate for something better, something that meets needs and minimizes harm. It's a complete switch on the usual approach to pro bono legal work, and it can bring benefits to all communities on the island. With our sincere thanks to Ariadna Godreau-Albert, this has been a special one-on-one interview about making the legal system work for more people in their own environment, on their own terms. Thanks for listening to Pursuing Justice, The Pro Bono Files, a podcast from PLI, the Practicing Law Institute. This production is dedicated to the pro bono and public interest lawyers helping those with limited access to justice. We also thank our production team, including Daniel Pinitz, Janet Siegel, J.C. Kinneman, and Robert Gennerke, as well as our host, Alicia Aiken. PLI is a nonprofit provider of authoritative legal training and continuing education. Since its founding more than 80 years ago, PLI has served the pro bono and public interest community. Lawyers working to expand access to justice can apply for complimentary access to attend PLI events or to watch any one of the 2,500 on-demand programs available on pli.edu. For more information about PLI's wide-ranging curriculum, visit pli.edu slash pro bono. Thank you.